0: live a different life than the rest of the world and what I see the problem is in the church brothers and sisters is that people in the church are almost getting this cultural anti-baptism all right you guys I need to get into this I was thinking this week about this class this random class that I took in college called science and technology and it was this class about the top 10 inventions in history that changed the landscape of history and time and technology as we know it. And it was fascinating. It was like the plow and, uh, you know, the clock and um, electric lighting and things like that and how it just radically changed the way that we live. And for some reason, I was thinking about this and I was like, you know what, I think that the most incredible invention to have ever been created was the shovel because it was groundbreaking. Got him. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 106. I hope I still get you sometimes with those. I hope you haven't caught on to the fact that I'm always going to begin with a joke. Um, And if you do, I hope it still catches you by surprise. But it's so good to be back with you. Um, If you are a first-time listener, please rate and review this podcast. It helps other people find it. If you haven't done that yet, please do so. Uh, The highest compliment you can pay me is to share this on social media or to let me know what you think. You can do that by uh, going to my website at manafoodforthought.com. You can find all the content there, uh, give feedback on episodes, see our blogs and all these things. We now have our weekly Bible studies coming out on Thursdays as podcast episodes. And if you'd like to continue to support this podcast and those efforts to make those things come right into your earbuds, uh, you can be a Patreon supporter for as little as $1 a month by clicking on the Patreon tab on the website. Follow us on Instagram and share things there. Tag us in them at Thought. Tag me in them. I got to get away from saying the royal we and us because it really is just me. So anyway, it's good to be back with you. Uh, let's get into joy, junk, and Jesus. My joy today is that my wife brought me an acai bowl and I, um, yeah, acai bowls are my love language. I just love them. You know, I don't know what you feel about them, but I think they're great. So anyways, that brought me joy today. My junk is that both of my Achilles tendons are really sore and feel kind of like inflamed. My... My heels and my calves feel like really, really tight after um, going to the gym yesterday and then I went to the gym today and thankfully took it easy um, and didn't go too hard because I think I really could have hurt myself. But um, prayers for healing for that would be great because it doesn't feel great walking around like a nutcracker and wondering if my Achilles tendon is going to rip or tear or something. So if you know any tips on how to uh, avoid that happening um, and get those to recover, let me know. My Jesus moment was this past weekend was Easter, obviously, and Holy Week, but we had the Easter Vigil, and I'm in charge of RCIA, and so, you know, um, welcoming 16 people into the church at our parish, and all of our catechumens, those who were baptized, were all young adults, like 37 and under, Uh, so that was really awesome to see them there with their big families. You know, a lot of people, when they come to the church when they're older, uh, it's really joyful and really wonderful, um, but they've already been baptized and it's great to have them come to the church, but there's just there's less people that they know or less people that they want to invite. Um, but wh- a lot of the young people, they're inviting like their whole family, all their friends. It's just really cool to see all of these diverse um, groups of people of different, varying forms of belief or spirituality, all in this one place to experience this very graced moment of the sacraments. And the Holy Spirit being poured out, and so that was just really, really awesome. So if you'd continue to pray for all of our newly initiated, not just at my parish, but at all of the parishes, because that's something that happens at every Catholic church, at least every Catholic church where people are wanting to convert to the Catholic faith in that community. And so, uh, continue to keep all those newly initiated in prayer, their families, and especially those in their families who do not agree or do not support them becoming Catholic. Um, just help help them in the the burdens on their hearts and their intentions, and help just bring unity and peace and love to those families that, um, that's a point of contention. And, you know, today I, I wanted to talk about just this, I don't really know how to get into this, but the more I think about the resurrection and the Easter season, the more I'm just kind of getting frustrated, not frustrated with the resurrection, but frustrated with like the way we live as Catholic Christians, like I'm just noticing a huge void and and lack in our joy and in our hope and in our commitment to knowing that the things that we believe are true and good and beautiful. I keep ex- experiencing and hearing about uh, secondhand or from from people, you know, in the Catholic Church, especially young people, just this kind of, I don't know, complacency with like church teachings and feeling like, there's almost this deconstructionist mindset that we have to like deconstruct all these things of traditional Christianity because they just don't fit with, you know, our modern view of God and all of it. And it's like, yes, there are some things that do need to be deconstructed, like in the world, sexism, racism, um, unnecessary hierarchical power structures that aren't intended in the way that the hierarchy of the church was meant to be implemented. But like things like the teachings of the church and like, the moral law, like all of that is founded on this singular event that like a person in history rose from the dead. Like that's an incredible claim. No one has ever claimed to do that since no one was ever, ever, ever claimed or proven to do that before. And yet we have insurmountable evidence that Jesus truly lived, that he did die. We know that historically and that he was reported to have risen from the dead. And from that sparked this religious movement that was not full of glory and power and popularity and wealth. No, it was heavily persecuted and it was driven underground and yet it continued to multiply and multiply and multiply. And there's no other explanation for that other than they were so utterly convicted that it was true because of the evidence and the experience that they had encountering God firsthand, being firsthand eyewitnesses, that it must be true. And if that's true, then if you have a difficulty... Living out or understanding something that the church asks of us, I think that like we have to take a step back and recognize like there's no stronger foundation upon which any belief can be built than like God becoming man and rising from the dead to prove it. And saying, do these things and you can resurrect with me into eternal life. Like, I think we have this problem in modern day Christianity that it's turning into this kind of like self-help club and community where it's like you're being Christian is about becoming the best version of yourself and getting everything that is promised you and having this glorious, wonderful, holy life. And... Um, you know, and, and not that those things aren't true necessarily. Like God wants to give you all of those things, but like suffering is still going to be part of the picture. Persecution is still going to be part of the picture. Like everything is not going to be sunshine and roses. Everything's not going to be perfect. And we're still not going to be able to come to a place where we're able to completely comprehend or understand everything that God asks of us or everything that God has put forth in terms of the natural order of creation, because we cannot fit the infinite into our finite minds. It's good to ask questions and to seek questions, seek answers to those questions, ask the question why and continue to consume that knowledge like theologically and philosophically. But if it's not anchored in a relationship with God, a relationship with God, like as someone who has saved you completely from sin, then these unanswered questions can basically just fester and turn into points of contention. And then I'm seeing people use those points of contention to basically write off the faith and say like, well, this is no longer relevant for me in my life. And I, and I see in the way that they're living their lives, it's not that they're having this really deep intellectual debate or issue with Christianity. It's that they want to live their life in some immoral way and they don't want to justify or have to explain why what they're doing that's wrong is actually right because they can't. So they try and deconstruct the whole system that's in place that's telling them that it's wrong. You know, like I see a lot of young Catholic couples cohabitating, like living together before they're married. And yes, that is a very common cultural thing. But like in the church, the church teaches like that is a gateway towards sin. It is a sinful way of living because you're living as a married couple, but you have not yet professed marriage vows to one another. You're essentially lying with your lives in your relationship and most likely with your bodies. If you're cohabiting, it's most likely that you're sexually active and all of that combined does not lead to a truly freeing and loving, full self-gift oriented type of relationship that God designed you for. Did you know that when couples live together before they're married, they did, they've did they done studies about this, that after 10 years, only 2% of those couples are still married. After 10 years of marriage, only 2% are still married. Like cohabitation has been proven to more than double your likelihood of divorce, sociologically speaking and relationally speaking, you develop this kind of roommate mentality in your mind. Just like if you're going in on a lease with somebody, hey, if this doesn't work out, I can just leave. And if that's the foundation of your home life together, you inadvertently bring that kind of psychological framework into your married life if you end up getting married. And it's easier just to leave. And, you know, that's just one example of something that I'm seeing where people are just like, you know, kind of writing it off. I see it when it comes to like language and lifestyles and the types of habits that we consume. You know, I heard someone comment the other day of like this kind of trend within Catholic manhood and Catholic masculinity, where it's all about like drinking bourbon and smoking cigars. And it's just like, yeah, like, why does it have to be, you know, like those things are good. Yes. But like, why does it have to be like connected to that? Like because those things can very easily become like these glorifications or idols of things that can very easily turn sinful. And it's just, I don't know, all of this put together just keeps bringing me back to this passage from scripture where Jesus says, if your yes mean, let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no, anything less than that is from the evil one. Let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no, anything other than that is from the evil one. And I just, I want to see like a such a fervent yes in my life and the life of us in the church because there's no more faithful, yes, more confident, yes, than we can proclaim, than a yes that is rooted in the resurrection, that we know our God, that he walked in our human shoes, that he actually rose from the dead and proved it. And so everything that he says, whether we agree with it or not, whether we understand it or not, whether we can live it easily or not, must be true and should be striven for, strived for, whatever the word is that I'm trying to say, should be sought after because it's worth it that when we were born in a state of original sin, we were on a trajectory toward hell because of the brokenness of our world and the way that our world collectively and we, all of us, turn away from God constantly. We were doomed. And we are still doomed in our sin until we can claim the salvation of Jesus Christ through no effort of our own, but just a received, a freely offered gift that we receive by virtue of the sacrament, specifically the sacrament of baptism, To claim that salvation for ourselves and say, yes, Lord, like I want to be part of your family. I want to claim new life, resurrected life, to be born again in you and live a different life than the rest of the world. And what I see the problem is in the church, brothers and sisters, is that people in the church are almost getting this cultural anti-baptism. Where they're finding themselves being initiated into a way of living that's more like the culture. And then instead of this new resurrected life that Jesus promises, they have this new resurrected life that they've created for themselves that's basically a way for them to explain away all of the things that they're doing that are wrong and make it seem as though they're right. Make it seem as though the church is the one with the problem. That God is the one who doesn't have it figured out. But yet me in my own finite mind, I think I know better. than 2,000 years of tradition, well maybe, just maybe brothers and sisters, We need to admit the ways that we struggle and yes, ask questions, but also admit that maybe we don't understand the full picture. Maybe we should give that teaching or that idea or that theology another chance, another look and take a hard look in the mirror and ask ourselves, is this really what I should be doing? Do I know down in my heart of hearts that what I'm doing or the way I'm living is wrong and is not more freeing? And do I have the ability to say, I want heaven enough. I love God enough. I know God loves me enough to be able to say no to this today. This thing that I'm doing that separates me from him because he came down here to give everything his entire life for me. And prove that he can redeem my life, resurrect my life, make me new by rising from the dead. Brothers and sisters, it's Easter And I think we just need to start acting like it. Lent is not just a season. Like, the Jewish people understood their entire existence as a people who was perpetually wandering in the desert, seeking the promised land. Because when they eventually historically entered the promised land, again, it wasn't sunshine and rainbows. They kept falling and failing and sinning and needing to turn back to the Lord. And we need to recognize, like, it's no longer this... Kind of hopeless, very mysterious sacrificial system, like we know definitively that Jesus came, died, and rose from the dead. We can anchor our hope in that truth. And if there's teachings that arise from that, from the church that arose from that event, maybe we should take them seriously and maybe we should look in the mirror and say, maybe I don't know better. Maybe I'm standing in the way of a freer life because I'm not willing to admit that yes, maybe what I'm doing is wrong. I don't know, brothers and sisters, that's just been really weighing on my heart and I just really wanted to share that word. And so I hope it's a word of encouragement to you. I'm not saying any of this to try and make it seem like, you know, we're all a bunch of sinners and we deserve judgment or condemnation. It's really just to like, if there's something in your life that you really know that you need to do to get back right with the Lord or to, to really follow him more faithfully, like do it today, right now, like just if, if there's a habit separating you from God, if there's a sin, a vice, an addiction, like just knock it off, get help, find accountability, tell someone like today, don't wait, don't put it on a to do list, like pause this right now, call the person you need to call, text them, do the thing you need to do to start making your yeses mean yes and your no's mean no. That way, we can definitively know I'm saying yes to the right things and no to the wrong things, and I'm not creating some framework of the world or my understanding of what life should be like, where it's okay for me to say bad yeses, and it's okay for me to so say no to things that are actually good for me because I think I know better. So that that's kind of what's on my heart, you know, this this uh, this afternoon on this Tuesday in the midst of Easter week, brothers and sisters, and I just pray that. That blesses you in some way and uh, challenges you to take your faith uh, and the the joy and the hope that Easter offers us more seriously because we can always be doing better. We can always be claiming that more um, wholeheartedly for ourselves and, and not falling into complacency and bad habits, and then trying to justify them, or act like, I'll get right later, or at least I'm not as bad as this person, or sweeping it onto the rug, doing it behind closed doors because we think no one else will know, no one else will see it's not hurting anyone. No. It's hurting you. And we are on a trajectory toward evil and the evil one, and eternal suffering and damnation, unless... Unless, brothers and sisters, we root our hope in the resurrected Lord and claim that salvation he freely offers for ourselves. But that means we have to live in such a way that we mean it. And so I pray that we all can. I pray for 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 whatever's going on in your life, the things that you really maybe have been putting off spiritually, the things that you really need, you you know, what am I trying to say? The things you really know you need to root out of your life, the habits you know you really need to start forming, The things you've always wanted to do that are good for you, the things you've always wanted to get rid of, but you've never taken the time to get that accountability, to root it out of your life, whatever it is. I pray that this might be a reminder in the midst of this Easter season, it is not too late. Do it now, today. Today can be the first day of the rest of your life. So pray for me as I pray for you. As we continue our trajectory toward this Easter hope, this Easter joy that we're all meant to have, that's meant to be overflowing out of us, nothing standing in the way, and let's not form our own idea of church, but stand firmly rooted in the church that is founded on the truth and the power of the resurrection. And live out of that as best we can. I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless.